This is the third podcast we're uploading that I did while we were out on Motorhead's motorboat cruise ship that sailed from Miami through Key West and Cozumel, Mexico, and then back again. When you think of a cruise ship, even when it's under the Motorhead banner, all the accoutrements are present. Pina coladas, beaches, sunshine, margaritavilles, etc., etc. But for me, the only thing that I'm there to experience on a Motorhead cruise ship is Motorhead. Privately, I've been called the Great Indoorsman, and it's been meant as an insult, but I'm quite flattered by the tag and now wear it as my shield. I do not like the outdoors. I do not like the sun and the surf. I was born with a natural tan, so I prefer to stay inside. No matter how rock and roll is portrayed in movies and in television, listened to with sunglasses on and a smile, shoulder to shoulder engaging in sing-alongs, or while cruising down the freeway in a convertible, I've always thought of rock and roll as a very solitary pastime, done alone, in one's room, and used as a means of escape. Even watching a band in a live setting, I prefer to focus my attention on the stage, and I truly get annoyed when someone innocently bumps into me while the performance is taking place. So this past September, when we were booked to play on Motorhead's motorboat cruise, I was both excited to be playing, but also trying to figure out what I'd do with all the downtime. See, I'm not exactly the cruise ship type. Thankfully, I was a huge fan of the other band's book to play, but then what? Well, as luck would have it, we managed to bring out our good friends Josh and Jason Diamond, the Diamond Brothers, to film our time on the ship and the general hijinks that would be happening. It would also provide great hang time. Hanging out with the Diamonds has always made time fly by. Now, the Diamonds directed our trilogy of music videos for our Below the Belt album, which was released in 2010. Those videos created quite a stir when Elijah Wood, Ralph Macchio, Selma Blair, Jenna Malone, Don Jameson, Mike Watt, and Lemmy Kilmeister all agreed to appear in the videos, later consolidated into the short film entitled The Ballad of Danko Jones. The Diamonds also directed our Just a Beautiful Day and I Believed in God videos for our Rock and Roll is Black and Blue album as well as our 2012 documentary film, Bring on the Mountain. Basically, we've worked quite a bit together over the years. And while maintaining a productive working relationship, a lot of why we keep working with them is because we like hanging out with each other. The Diamonds were also in a band called Puny Human, and I sung on their Universal Freakout album on Small Stone Records from 2007. We also played together a few times when we'd go down to New York City. So, locked on a boat together with nothing but time on our hands, it was a no-brainer that we needed to sit down and record this podcast episode. Please keep in mind, the low hum you hear in the background isn't my technical bungling, but rather the cruise ship's constant hum that you need to get used to immediately when you board a boat. However, nothing changes here. The conversation on this podcast episode is an exacting sample of what we are like together off the mic. Similar conversations like the one you're about to hear have been had with these guys over and over again under different conditions in different scenarios. If you were to take a sample of the conversation we had later that evening at dinner, it would have been exactly the same as this one. 
Basically, it's talking about bands and trading stories about them, bands, recommending to each other albums by these bands, etc., etc. There's a part in this episode where I hesitated to keep, and only because it sounded so much like a private conversation rather than something inclusionary. But I opted to leave it in because this is how we, we talk, just non-stop talk about bands and new bands, band after band after band, and more bands. Thank you to Skullcandy Headphones for providing the podcast with the much-needed headphone gear. I use their Aviator headphones constantly. And also thank you to Blue Mic Microphones for providing the Yeti mics we use and that I cart around everywhere I go in order to record these podcasts in the craziest of locations this one being out at sea somewhere between Florida and Mexico. Also, I really do read the comments that people leave on iTunes and SoundCloud and appreciate the positive ratings in the different iTunes stores around the world. Thank you if you've left a comment or if you've left a rating regarding the podcast. I sincerely appreciate it. You know, I do these podcasts at my place. I do these intros in my room. One of the reasons why I started doing this podcast in the first place was because I'm just not that social a person. I'm not a social butterfly in the least. And I started to notice that I was becoming a hermit when I would get off tour. So doing the podcast is kind of my way to stem all that. Of course, doing it in the comfortable setting of my place with my friends and people I'm comfortable with or that I'm a fan of now creates the impression that I am a social butterfly. I know there have been people who have listened to this podcast and met me um, after a show or something and couldn't put the voice with the person in front of them. I'm no stranger to this reaction. I've been getting this for years when people meet me off stage. And if I had a dime for every time someone told me, you're different off stage, I'd be a fucking millionaire by now. Listen, on stage and in my bedroom are two places I am very comfortable being in if not the most comfortable anywhere in the world. So any other place other than my bedroom and being on stage, not so comfortable. I'm not so comfortable. And I only address this because I did recently read a comment someone left. It was a flattering comment, but it stated their impression of me was different than they had anticipated. You know, people might think that there's some kind of persona that's being put on here, and I can understand that impression. However, in my head... In my world, there isn't. I hope this podcast gives you a better glimpse of that. Anyways, here's a good example of just that. It's with two people I'm very comfortable with, the Diamond Brothers, Josh and Jason Diamond. They're this episode's guests on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best I, I got half that burp on. Well, I mean, a lot of people who have heard your names uh, know it from the video trilogy we did for our Below the Belt album. You guys did all the videos with all the stars. Ralph Macchio, Elijah yeah, Wood, mm-hmm. Selma Blair, Jenna Malone, Lemmy, of course. Of course. The tie-in to the motorboat. Yeah. But um, not a lot of people know the story. How, how did we even meet? I mean, and it's uh, a very natural way we met. Well, our, our, we're in a band called Puny Human, 
and we've been a band since 1999 and our drummer at the time um was on mtv and ian, ian, ian robinson robinson and he yeah but wait even before what? that through friends in boston well that's how we heard that's, of Dagger but jones but that's why right. well, we got in touch with you is because right. through our friends in Only Living Witness in Boston, through Jonah uh, Jenkins, Jonah yeah. Jenkins and and Mario Travers and all those guys, played us your seven inches, I think, and we were like, whoa, these no, it was are the awesome. record, it was the record Sugar Chocolate with the oh the EP, the yeah, EP. with the yeah. gold the gold sparkle yeah. drum on it. That makes sense because we played, we had some good shows in Boston in the late '90s with the Turks. Yeah, right. But yeah, so we knew of you for years, right? And and once Ian had gotten on MTV and had and had been given a certain amount of power to sort of, you know, be the rock guy and whatever, expose people, expose to people music to they music. Hear. You know, naturally, you go to either bands you like or bands you're friends with. And you know, we were we've been friends with the Fireball guys since Fireball Ministry guys since the late '90s. And, uh, and and had been fans of yours, and so, so yeah, naturally so he, Ian he, wanted to give exposure to bands that yeah, that's right liked. when right when Born a Lion came out, and I think he reached out to you guys and said, hey, check out our band, and we're friends, and maybe I can get you guys some exposure. Yeah, I and, think it was even before that, around that time, uh, I think I read an interview and he name dropped us, and someone either I found it or someone else right like let us know, and that's when. Like I started to get everything yeah. on the radar, and I was like, "Holy shit! There's someone on MTV who's talking about us." <laughs> yeah. What? what? Yeah. And yeah. being from Canada, we don't get MTV, right? But we know it as this kind of right, huge of thing, yeah. Monolith, especially in yeah, the, the early, yeah. especially in the late '90s, early 2000s. It, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was an the actual of their thing. Power, for yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. So uh, then, when we played the Mercury Room, Mercury Lounge, like no, we saw you at Continental. That thing. show was packed, though. That was yeah. a CMJ show. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was that, yeah. and and uh, and then you know things, yeah. I don't know. And I remember, I mean, that's when we would still look in the Village Voice every week and be like, "Who's playing?" You know, yeah. and look, and we're like, "Oh yeah. fuck, what's Danko's the internet playing?" Yeah. yeah, there was no internet really, yeah, not right. in that sense. We're like, "Oh shit, Danko's playing." Yeah. So we we were like, "Let's go!" And at that point, Ian had had exited the band, uh, and so we were like, "He was your connection, right?" Like we had never. My brother and I had never talked to you or, or corresponded with you, but we were like, "Well, you you know who Puny Human is because you guys had correspondence." So we're like, "Well, we're just gonna go and introduce ourselves." Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I was kind of taken aback, but then I was like, "Guys, I think it's starting to happen. <laughs> Words getting red." <laughs> Two guys came down and said they liked the show. It was hilarious. Yeah. But then, um, then we played a show with you guys, Puny yeah, Human, and the yeah. Blue Van, right? I think so, yeah. yeah and Mercury Lounge. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a great, it was a great time. And then every time we go to New York, you guys would be there. And then yeah, slowly, yeah. the like, you know, there was more of a connection and a communication. Mm-hmm. And then finally, like, I knew you guys were, you know, working in television and and uh, you guys threw our song on a bumper once or twice. Oh yeah, Maybe, I was yeah. doing. I did because we had my. For people who don't know, Josh and I have a production company and. Over the years, we did varying things from production to graphics packages Freelance for MTV and, and directing music videos. We did directed a ton of music videos in the 90s for like all the New York hardcore bands, Sick of It All, and uh, Ward. We did the only Warzone video. Did you ever see uh, our Napalm Death video? We did a Napalm Death video. No. Yeah. Was for it? For Breed to Breathe. 
Did you do an Unsane video, we too? Yeah, two Unsane videos. We edited the one with all the skate bales. Yes. And then we directed Sick, the one after that. Okay. But yeah, uh, we shot Napalm Death on 16mm at CB's. At CB's, yeah. And then they wanted CBGs. to edit in all these Faces of Death clips <laughs> along with it. And that was the video. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. great, yeah. man. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because I remember when we, we uploaded the Full of Regret song onto our website, and immediately, I can't remember which one of you guys, immediately goes, my brother and I want to do the video for this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we had already kind of, you know, penciled in our friend to do the video, but it wasn't working out scheduled. Like, it just wasn't right. happening. But we're very loyal, you know? <laughs> so it was just like, oh, God, what are we going to do? We got this... The crisis, and then we were on a plane, I think, to South by Southwest, and Jason mm -hmm. just said, look, look, the bottom line is it's not happening. He's not, he doesn't have his ducks in a row. So it's not like we're pulling right. the rug out from him and right. under him. It's, he's not going to lose anything. So let's let these guys do it and tell them they have a week to get their ducks in a row. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <'Cause laughs> in L.A., from there New York. Like a, so when you guys came to the table, we just... Gave it, gave the project to you, and just said okay. And then you guys came back with <laughs> <laughs> like the thing that just blew blew us away. We had nothing because you guys are friends with Elijah Wood. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you're friends with Lemmy and Mike Watt, and our producer at the time knew Selma Blair, and so it just sort of was yeah. like. Uh, I mean, and, I re I remember you guys came to the table with Elijah, and I was like, yes. wow, what? That's amazing. And and then and he was fans of you guys through us because we. You know, we're all we've been we had been friends, and and he's a huge music nerd, as are the three of us, and we would just pass bands back and forth, and we had given him Born Alive at some point, yeah, and we were like, dude, and he was like, oh, these guys are awesome, you know, so I, I didn't believe he was gonna. I knew <laughs> you guys were friends, so it wasn't like a name out of the out of the air that you pulled, right? Like we're gonna get George Clooney on this guy, <laughs> yeah. don't worry, he loves it. <laughs> um, so it was a realistic name, but to... that was also the first thing. You know, we were friends. What we weren't business we weren't like industry friends we yes were friends friends yes so that was the first project that we had like approached him to say you know what let's actually work together we do work in the same industry which is a touchy thing of between course. amongst friends of course so so but when we pitched him the idea and we're like no you're going to be the bad guy and the, yeah and, cast everybody and, against, against type, type against he was type. like this would be super fun this sounds super fun so, and he, yeah. he, of course do you want to wear do you want to carry a shotgun yeah all day yeah a, a real shotgun by the way the one thing <laughs> about all movie the, the co comments that i've read about the they never like say this isn't oh elijah like they believed elijah as the bad guy yeah. they really pulled it off um but then when well, we started talking about, well, you know, you had this character for the bartender thing. And I think you... Well, initially it was Lemmy, because you guys had yes. called us and said, well, we're going to... We're, we're seeing Motorhead, like, we're friends with them, and we'll, we're going to be with them in South By, so we think we can get oh, Lemmy. That's right. And we said, okay, we're going <laughs> to do let's a Lebowski the, thing. Let's make him the dude. Yeah, yeah. we're going to do a Lebowski cowboy. thing, and, and, and Watt's going to be the... No, Lemmy. I mean, Lemmy's going to be the, the the cowboy Sam Elliott character at the top and bottom. And you guys are like, yeah, I think we can get him to do that. Yeah. And then, and then it, you called us and after that, and you're like, yeah, he's he's down. He'll do it. Yeah. And then in L.A., they were like, no, Lemmy's not going to read anything. Yeah, <laughs> Lemmy's not going to... He'll be... He'll, he'll, he'll show, he'll up, show but, up, but we don't know what he'll do yeah. or, or what, have what he'll like do. <laughs> so that's when yeah. I had seen... I think I get Watts, like, newsletters... And while we were in L.A. prepping, yeah. like two days before the video was going to shoot, we uh, we 
uh, I got the email that Watt was playing, so I said, Danko, you have to <laughs> fucking email yeah. Watt or call him or whatever yeah. and ask him to do it. Yeah. Well, that's what happened in, you he's know, in town. I'm the worst for that. But I did it because you guys asked me and yeah. I was like, I got an right. email with his number and you were like, just call him. Yeah. So yeah. So I called him and he was like, he had, this is how Mike Watt answers the phone. It goes, ring. And he just goes, Watt. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mike, this is Josh, my friend at Danko's. Oh, hey, man, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, sure. And then he goes, he goes, yeah, I'll be there. What do you want me to wear? I go, I want you to be you, man. Show up in some flannel and whatever and just yeah. be Mike Watt. Because I think I, ca- <laughs> I called him and we talked about it. And then he started asking more stuff. And that's when I think I yeah. go, yeah. Uh, I'm not the director. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck they got planned. So call him. Yeah. yeah. Take it. Take it. Because well, I was already nervous about it. Because right. he was kind of, you know, naturally hemming and hawing. Of course. But the the guy was totally interested in it. Yeah. It was. And I've, I remember you like, okay, so Lemmy's coming down. Elijah's there. Selma's there. But when Watt showed up, the both of you were just <laughs> like. That's my quad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. absolutely. I mean, the, your enthusiasm for Mike Watt was yeah. was uh, quite noticeable. Yeah, and uh, but we had so for our our you know the general thing that we pitched you for the video was was we want to make a movie trailer for a movie that doesn't exist because for the one week, literally, you called us on a Wednesday and we had to be in LA and shoot the following Friday, so. So, in order to get around budget, and not that it was a, a super low budget, but, you know, given that we didn't have, you know, we couldn't spend huge location fees and things, but we needed to get a lot of stuff, we, um, the the movie trailer idea gives us the ability to kill continuity. Yes. So we can just, you can literally, every scene or every shot yeah, can be anywhere, be wherever and, and it doesn't matter, yeah. because you're, it's a movie trailer. Yeah. But we wanted, we, I don't know how we settled on it, but we were like, we need to do, I think because we knew we were going to have Lemmy, and we knew he wouldn't necessarily act in it, although that's weirdly what he ended up doing, we decided to make him a narrator, because we assumed that we may not even get him on camera. Yeah. So we'll make, do his voice, so we were like, what's the best kind of narration, and then we both settled on the cowboy from Lebowski. So we downloaded the Lebowski script and took the opening monologue about Lebowski and the ending monologue about Lebowski and just changed the words where he says cowboy to things describing you. Yeah. From song titles. From song titles. So anyone who, who hasn't seen Kid. it, yeah. every yeah. word or dialogue, actually the entire dialogue is made up of entirely Danko album titles, song titles, or lyrics. Yeah. Every one of them. So, but we made sure that it worked if you didn't know that. But if you did know it, it would be a nod to like, okay, these guys get it and it's it's a Danko thing. Yeah. Right. Sometimes tight constraints like that just make you have to focus and get it done cuz you you know you only have these 2 days. Yeah. So you you just hopefully get a little burst of creative freedom to say we only you can't overthink it. No, right? You're like this is what we have. This is what we do. Yeah, and let's just blow it out. And we also managed to get a killer DP, Brandon Trost, who at the time I think had done MacGruber and Halloween Two and Crank Two, and he we had met him. He was he a hadn't fan. done MacGruber yet. He hadn't. No. Oh, maybe he was about to do that. But he was he was a fan of Puny Human through uh, Jim Rota from Fireball, and so. When we called him, we were like, well, he's like the biggest DP that we know in, and he's a fan of Danko, right? 
So he, we're like, let's call Brandon. Also, because we need to crew up out there and he'll just be able to call a few dudes. And, you know, since then he's gone on to do like all the Seth all Rogan, Seth Rogan since, movies. Since that this is the end. The interview, this is the end. Uh, we did this is the end. Yeah. Sharks, yeah, I, yeah, which I've heard because yeah. of you guys. Yes. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, go to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you like to get your musical products the and great, buy the American Shark Shark. The greatest thing is, like, I always make mention of, like, oh, yes, you know, I always have friends who turn me on to bands, and you know, we turn each other on to bands, and you are you two are on that short list of people who, who have turned me on to some great bands over the years. And vice versa. I think USA out of Vietnam, is it that? They're on our label. I think I did. I, you I told must, me about that. Did them. I? Yeah. yeah. Or I saw you tweet about it or something, and I was yeah. like, oh, I'm going to check that out because you said that. And then I think when you guys told me about American Sharks and Netherlands, I told you about Admiral Sir Cloudsy. Oh, yeah, 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 which is crazy. Which is, yeah, which yeah. is like, I, I went on all fucking, <laughs> I, I could have been their fucking, yeah, yeah their publicist, their dad or something, <laughs> going, just waving the flag for them. Yeah. And I, I told you guys, I, I emailed, because they're on Rise Above, I emailed Lee Dorian and I just said, how's it going, Lee? I haven't I've written in in a while. Admiral Sir Cloudsy Shovel fucking rule. They're fucking amazing. <laughs> See you later. Have a nice day. <laughs> and then I think he told the band, and the band reached out to us. Well, and that. we and we named the Ralph Macchio character Lee Dorian. Yeah, which in, he knows. Right. Yeah. But I thought, remember, he said, um, I thought his resp- only response to you about that was it's one R instead of two or something. Cause did he, he did say two that? R's, oh yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Because we we it, that was a mixture of Dorian Gray. Yes. Because. Because Ralph Macchio Ralph just never, never ages. ages. Never and then ages. we were like, well, if it's Dorian, then we're going to make him Lee Dorian. because The greatest Dorian. Yeah. 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 yeah, well, I think there's always a tie-in with our videos because there's another video that we did called uh, um, Take Me Home, and I'm wearing a Rise Above shirt. Mm-hmm. So it just continued yeah. with this weird yeah. connection we have with this label, Yeah. Um, which I love. I love that label to, so much. I mean, Chevy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's an old one. Nah, that's an oldie but goodie. And um, have you heard Church of, Or- of Misery? Have you heard Orchid? Yeah. Yeah. They got really popular on that last record they put out. Yeah. But I was I was onto them on the record before. Yeah. They're really good. Uh, there's a lot of these kind of Sabbathy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of Captain Beyond Sabbathy bands yeah. coming out of the woodwork now. We were when we went to see American Sharks last time. I was, uh, they were playing a band over the, over the PA and we were all like, who is this? It sounds really good. And I was like, I'll try Shazam on my phone. Yes. Clearly it'll pick up an obscure seventies band. And everyone's like, bullshit. So I was like, I don't know. Let's just try it. And I tried it and it totally did. And it just been pagan altar with a, their record dull knife. Oh yeah. Okay. It's and really it's really good. good. Pagan altar. Yeah. There's one, I mean, sometimes you guys throw so much at me at once and I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it. And then I think I remember emailing one of you guys going, fucking Danava Road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then you guys reply going, 
We told you that last year, you yeah. asshole. Yeah. I played it for you when we were in Toronto shooting the documentary interview. Oh. I was like, check these guys out. Because we saw them. I had never heard them. And we saw them open for Witchcraft on Witchcraft's first tour in Brooklyn. Oh, actually, we saw Witchcraft both nights. They played Brooklyn and Mercury Lounge. And Danava opened, or Danava, or however you say it. Yeah, I don't in, know. Okay. In, uh in Brooklyn and I was like oh these guys are pretty good but eh, I don't know they just I don't know they're so busy that I think if you don't know the record that seeing them live it's sort of like confusing confusing yeah. the record kind of focuses you yeah and then a friend of mine was like oh have you heard that the first Denava record or whatever and I was like oh yeah I saw it was Bon Giorno, I think no it was Matt Cutler oh. and I was like oh I don't know I'll check it out and then I was like holy shit this record's awesome <sighs> And then I played it for you, and you were like, "Oh yeah, this is cool." And then, like, yeah, it was like, like, "Yeah, it's cool." Two months later, like, <laughs> "Dude, that record's awesome." You're like, "What?" Well, well yeah, because I loaded up like you guys gave me some records and bands to check out, so I loaded it up in the car, and I was just driving around. Yeah. And then the Denava record came on by yeah. second track. I think there's some crazy horn section yeah, they threw on that got great. I was like, "What the fuck <laughs> is this?" Yeah. And then then I was on. I was yeah. I was and then in. they put out. They got back together and made like another record. They uh, were following us a couple of dates when we were oh, in Europe. Uh, <coughs> like some uh, May of last year. Oh man, they're playing the same venue we played in in uh, Portugal mm. in Porto. Yeah, I would like to see them now. I listen to both of their records a lot. Yeah, it's uh, brilliant stuff, man. And then there's a, I can't even go through the list of all the bands that you guys have thrown my way over the years. I've but. honestly, I know everybody says Spotify is the downfall of music and you know whatever, but for ten bucks a month I can put whatever I want on my phone and I totally fine with that. But their Discover feature, there's actually a ton of weird, obscure rock and metal on there that uh, bands I've never heard of and you just you go to discover and it'll be like oh you like Orchid you might like uh, Astro Monkey or whatever we found some or uh, what was that band Ape Machine Machine or something like that and you're like holy shit this is insane yeah Yeah. we found all these bands like Kamchatka and Brutus Kamchatka that's uh that's That's pair from he just sent me a Kamchatka uh, care package yeah (laughs) (laughs) I just got it at home it's like Kamchatka is like if if Stevie Ray Vaughan was in a stoner rock band. Yeah. And Stevie Ray Vaughan might be Pear. Under, yeah, yeah. yeah, that would be the yeah, Stevie <laughs> Ray Vaughan element. You know Stone Axe? I've from heard the Boston? name. No, I don't know where they're, they're from, but they... Boston. Well, there's but, two Stone Axes. Yeah, there's not, one from the 70s and there's not, not, like a recent yeah. one. Okay. But the recent one, they have two records and their second like record is a double, I think. Or something. I saw a dude on the boat with, a stone, with that Blueberries yeah. shirt. But they're weird because they're, they're really good. But they have this ability to kind of, you know, because all these bands kind of, they want to be some band from the 70s, right? Yeah. They want to they ape some kind of, that's just their vibe. These guys can do, like they do a Cream cover, the Swabber, that's... Exact. Exact. The guy's vocal style can change. They have a, they have a Thin Lizzy song that you would swear is an unreleased song. Thin Lizzy track. Have you heard the new Audrey Horn uh-uh. stuff? It's Lizzy. Who's they, that? This uh, band from Norway, mm-hmm. we played a few shows with them uh, maybe four years ago, and they're doing kind of like a, a heavy rock vibe. I right. mean, I'm not doing the, right. them justice, <laughs> but they just put out a, a new album, and in the video is the dude from Amon Amarth, the, mm-hmm. the singer dude, is the guest guy, and there's all these Muppets. <laughs> so people are like talking right. about it and stuff, and so 
you hear the song and it's like holy fuck I think it's called Out of the City is the name of the song it's fucking amazing and yeah. I, I even tweeted them I'm like holy shit like yeah because I think we were, there was talk of us touring together back in 11 mm-hmm. and it just never worked out and uh, I think one have of the you, dudes have, is an enslaved the guitarist oh, weird. Yeah. have you have you found that Twitter is actually a really good communication tool for like meeting people yes it's crazy it's right? crazy I've I met mean, so many people that way yeah but like actual meeting and then you end up meeting them in person Instagram as well yeah when we did the um, just a beautiful not just the I believed in God video um we were like, you know, we always like to try and reach out to people to work with them, right? Uh, because we like meeting new people and, and especially actors and actresses. It's nice. Oh, well, it's always nice to have to a little friendly, somebody. you know, a, a familiar face in a video. It helps. Right. But it's nice to work with people that you want to work with and yeah. to have a reason to reach out to somebody instead of saying, hey, one day we should work together and say, hey, <laughs> I want to work with you on something. Here's something we're doing. Are you interested? You know, we, we had been. Uh, sort of following Zelda Williams's career, Robin Williams' daughter, uh, for a while, just because we sort of saw some stuff with her and we're like intrigued. And my brother, yeah, there was a, well, there was a great piece online that when Nintendo re-released Zelda, because apparently she was uh, I think you gotta press hold it. Uh, she was uh, named after. named he named her after the Zelda video game because he and his his her mother were huge Zelda fans. So they so Nintendo did this whole piece with them sitting together talking about the video game and how much they love it and it's just a really sweet yeah piece but she's just got this cool quality I mean as we come to find out we've been friends she's just a super nice again super nice and yeah and interesting but yeah I just I was like we should try and get her and I just tweeted to her yeah hey do you, you know you want to make a fun monster you know movie together and she responded I don't know that sounds kind of interesting and she followed me and then we direct message for a little bit and then I we exchanged emails and then she said yes yeah. just all, all from Twitter yeah but yeah I mean in in bands and music it's happened too um, a few times like uh, sometimes I'll go I wanna like Kate and DePana from Hyrax I've always thought he was like the coolest guy right. like just you know so I've it took a bit of time, but I like tweeted him a couple times, going, "You're awesome, man! I'm gonna love you, dude!" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, at least I'm verified right now, and it won't be out of the blue." Yeah. And nothing, nothing. Yeah. Like, I must have done it two, three times. And then one day on Instagram, I uploaded something. And he goes, "This, is, yeah, cool, brother." Yeah, man. I'm like, holy shit, Kane the bed. Hey, man, it's so great to see you. I love you guys. And then I, then I was like, ah. And then I took a photo of like a Hyrax record, just sitting at home listening to you know yeah. Hyrax. Yeah. Hyrax, as I do in my morning, oh, my coffee. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, old school brother, right on. <laughs> so that was one of the more memorable ones, and. Um, you know, and then and then a couple of years after we did the uh, the trilogy with you guys, uh, uh, Elijah did a WTF episode, so I reached out to Elijah. Great episode. Yeah. <laughs> I talked about a bunch of bands that aren't around anymore that have turned into other things. Like I saw Jimmy Bauer last night 
and when we first met him, he was in the after I Hate God, he was in a band called Mystical Mystical Crew of Clearlight. Yeah, you guys were talking about that band which yesterday. I, which I really dug. Like, we didn't know that he was in a new band, and we played a show at Continental with High and on he was Fire. Playing drum, he was playing guitar. He was playing guitar in that band. And, wow. And Ross... Uh, I forget Haynes? his last name. No, no it's not Haynes. Uh, this guy Ross is big, giant dude from New Orleans with you know from their whole crew, and he was playing. He had a fucking B three. Had a real B three on stage, and like they were this crazy instrumental. Amazing! That sounds band. amazing. They yeah, were really, really good, awesome. and it was us. And I think it was like one of High on Fire's first gigs. I know it's, it was a uh, sounds retardedly nostalgic, but New York in like '98 to like 2003 was a really good it was a really good rock really scene. good scene of like the bands that were happening there like atomic bitch wax and well that's funny because we we had we were fu manchu fans and then when they split you know like nebula and we were like oh cool then you know it's gotta have some more vibes a little more jammy yeah. and so they were playing at coney island high in manhattan and i didn't know any of the other bands that were playing we got there a little early and somebody was like oh there's a band before nebula called atomic bitch wax Mm-hmm. Never had no clue. Didn't know who they well, were. Did Crumb Locust play that show too? Uh, that was like no. Queens of the Stone Age show. Yeah, no, it, we didn't know any of the other bands. We just went early and like, all right, well, we'll see this band, and then if they suck, we'll go to the bar or whatever. Yeah. And they came out and blew our minds. Yeah, we so like, hard that shit. we left before Nebula even went on. Yeah. I was like, I there's nothing that's yeah. going to be better than what I just saw. So before I dilute what I just saw yeah, in my brain with leave. something else, I'm just going to go home. Wow. Yeah, it yeah. was pretty insane. <laughs> that's kind of what it was for us, maybe, well, at least for me last night with High on Fire. Oh, yeah. dude. It's probably going to be the show uh, of the we, boat. We were just like, yeah. well, it's not going to get any better than that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. small no room, like 50 to... people, just loud as shit. But in a room, I think I, did I say to you, I think I leaned over to somebody and I said, this is like if High on Fire was in a scene in Casino. Yeah, yeah, I think you told. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like this. You weird, told me that this weird mirrored room where clearly I was saying that Matt uh, Pike last night, like it, we were talking about his pedals or something, and I was like, it was really loud, but it sounded really good. And that, and Desi was saying that the the box the band is in while they're playing sounded really good. Weirdly, for this mirrored ceiling and and sort of low stage, low stage. Yeah. Um, I said, yeah, well, I'm sure they're normally used to, like, you know, electronic drums and, like, a keyboard and, like, you know, like a... Yeah. Wedding. A cruise band. Yeah, like not to wedding denigrate band. cruise bands. No, but, but they know the deal. Yeah. Too. My stepdad went on a cruise playing drums with Anne Murray, so it's not... Whoa, that's uh, pretty... As a Canadian, <laughs> that's pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> That's I assume that's the kind of music that's usually on a cruise. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, that makes sense. Like a Vegas band. I'd love to see Anne Murray on that stage, the Starlight Room. Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as long as she tonight does in the Starlight Peach Room. Dragon. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was amazing last night watching Matt Pike like so close. And yeah, and when they started, no one was. There was like fifteen of us. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's in those high armed strip club. Chairs. Yeah, so. <laughs> and and I remember because like they were kind of like, no one was in the front. Yeah, yeah, there was the, twenty feet easily of just empty dance floor between. And we them. had these comfortable seats, <laughs> and the first crazy guy 
with a sports jersey on. He was a little drunk. He gets right right in front of Matt Pike, which the band loves, right? Yeah, they course. want that. Yeah, you yeah. saw Matt lit up. Yeah, and I was sitting there going, get the fuck, sit down. I'm watching <laughs> high on fire. Get the fuck I'm out of the way. Get the fuck out of the way. And then everyone started to slowly make their way yeah, to the yeah, stage. Yeah, I went straight through. This is front. bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't see, see Matt. <laughs> I found yeah. a really good seat right behind where the people were and I could look up into the mirrored ceiling they were upside down but I could see them because yes. the stage was so, was so yeah. low if you weren't close you couldn't see anything Yeah. so I just sat in my seat with Stu and we just watched the ceiling Yeah. yeah. bounced I, you know. I walked right up front you I was standing right in too. front of Matt yeah. right next to the jersey guy the, yeah. the sports jersey guy and it was awesome. And Matt said at some point, he's like, I appreciate everyone standing up here, even though you can't hear my vocals, because literally the speakers were on the floor. Right, behind. The PA was on the floor, like, now behind us. Yeah. But it sounds like you don't, again, since those earlier shows, you don't get to see a band like High on Fire that close. It's and amazing. literally, it's like being in their rehearsal room. Yeah. Like, it was, I was volume. I was, There's nothing going I was the PA eight feet, for a kick I was probably a, eight yeah, to nine feet from Matt's cabinets. Yeah. And like to get that, his tone like in your face without amazing. a microphone in yeah. between it is, you know, it doesn't happen that much anymore. Yeah. So it was, uh, as it shouldn't because they should be playing really big, you know, places because they're great. But, uh, I yeah, mean, I was, went up to Matt Pike while we were boarding and I go, you're the band I want to see on this boat. You know? <laughs> And uh, by the way, you're super cool, dude. <laughs> I remember we, we were on tour in Canada, and our, our tours crisscrossed with the Gigantour at that year. Yeah. I can't remember what year, but it was uh, High and Fire was on In Flames, uh, Children of Bodom, um, all these bands. And so they were all at the arena where they played. I think it was in Saskatoon. They were all, sh- all the bands, except for Megadeth, were sharing a backstage area, this big backstage area. And, you know, all the bands are kind of like, it's it's done. Megadeth are about to go on stage, so all the bands are done. They're mill, milling around. And uh, High on Fire are on a small circular table, like a very, very small circular table. They're all around, cornered. They've got a little kind of blaster, blasting ACDC. <laughs> There's a bottle of something. I think, I want to say Jack, but I don't know if it is. I can't remember and Matt Pike's just sitting there smoking a cigarette, listening to ACDC in, in the dressing room. And then he sees me and he goes, what's up? Yeah. And I was like, this guy rules. I love this guy. He's the coolest He's great. motherfucker yeah. in He's rock. He's a super awesome guy. Yeah. They're all nice guys. Even yeah. Yeah. The ones, I've met them individually. They don't remember, but yeah, they're all super cool. Yeah. All right. On that note, we're going to go see Down. Let's do it. All right. Thanks. <laughs>